I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. Um, we are in a series of the I Am expressions of Jesus uh, that leads us up to Easter, and I'm thankful for um, the messages that have come um, before us and have laid such a great foundation. And um, so thankful for the ministry of the Word of God, and um, we will be many things here in this place, and as God uh, gives us liberty and opportunity, um, we will be responsive to do and to lay out ministries and programs and um, meet the needs of those uh, among us and in our community, but above all... Um, we are committed to the proclamation of the Word of God. And um, we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to say that and, and to do it. Um, before we go any further, um, we have a, a little bit of a celebration. Um, I just saw Joe walk in, Joe Cowan. Joe, you're going to kill me for this. Because uh, he doesn't like to be called up here. But Joe and Joyce Cowan are celebrating today 58 years of wedded bliss. Would you come on up, Joe and Joyce? Come on. Here they come. Joe usually comes with an offering plate in his hand up this way, but. We're going to have to come on up. This is, is there a microphone that I can, Grace, as I'll use. Come on up into the light. I know, Joyce, I'm sorry. Yeah, great. Well, um, that's an astounding thing, 58 years. Congratulations and uh, blessings to you both and to all of your family. And um, I got to thinking just about some of the stories I've heard uh, about how God has used you. And Joe told me that in 1967, is that right? Uh, I was three. Um, they began uh, a camp ministry uh, in Missouri. And it's still going to this day. Is that right? Correct. All right. And um, that, was that in Festus? Festus. Festus, Missouri. And it was a Bible camp for children and families. And can you imagine um, just the impact of 40 years of Bible ministry at a camp like that, still going on, and my guess is that there are probably little kids that are now serving Christ around this country and around the world because of that camp. Isn't that wonderful? So not only an astounding uh, run of marriage, but a legacy of faith. So let's give the Lord a hand for this great couple and for what God continues to do in their life. Thank you very much. We love you both. Okay, take care. Be careful. We have a ways to go, Tracy, so hang in there. <laughs> well, I've been a Christian, it seems, my entire life, at least since the third grade. I responded to a, an altar call uh, from a Baptist preacher on a Sunday night service at, you ready for this? Green Acres Baptist Church. 
in Athens, Georgia. No kidding. That's the name of the church. That was almost 40 years ago. Had my share of ups and downs in my faith. Plenty of highs. Plenty more lows. Times when I felt I couldn't trust God more. And more often, times I I failed him in every possible way. I spent several years at Bible college, more than was generally generally allotted to students, and quite a few more in seminary. And somehow, in his wondrous grace and mercy, God made me a pastor, gave me places to serve him, us, and it's been nice. Overall, it's been good. But most times I'm confused, just like perhaps most of you. When I look into the pages of God's Word and and He seems to talk in code, I'd just soon Him tell it plain, wouldn't you? What I'm to do, how I'm to live this Christian life, rather than give me pictures and metaphors to figure and interpret. But there's one that has long stumped me. It always sounds good. It even really makes sense on the surface. I've heard it preached and taught and sung about and quoted more times than I can remember. But I'm not sure I've ever really truly understood it, let alone grasped its significance. Jesus said in John chapter 15, or as it is recorded in John chapter 15, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. And in paraphrase, unless you're connected to me and him, you're like a dry branch that receives either one of two seemingly undesirable fates. First, you either get gathered up and thrown into the fire, or you get cut on. An easier sounding word is pruned. Anyone interested in that? (laughs) But the more I read, the more I've listened to Jesus in these final refrains at the end of his life, the more something profound has come into clearer view. You see, then when he was saying these things, I am the door and I am the bread and I am the way and I am the true vine, he was preparing those around him for a time when he would not be there. And of course now, as we are here together, he's not here. That is to say, on this planet. And God's not either. The Father. Uh, They're both in another dimension somehow, unseen and at times uh, untouchable. Yet I'm to remain connected. And so are you. And the question is, how and why? 
Then I started to think about the general experience of so many Christians, even myself. We know Christ is powerful. I believe that God is powerful too and has the power and interest in answering prayers. And I know that I've been promised a supernatural peace, especially when times are hard. And I realize that I'm called to love my neighbor as much as I love myself, and I'm called to love my brothers and sisters more than I love myself. And I know Jesus promises to do greater things through me than he even did. So what gives? If I know all these things, then why don't I experience them? Why is it so hard for me to love my neighbor as much as I love myself, and nearly impossible for me to love my brothers and sisters in Christ more than I love myself? And why is it that I find myself still debilitated by the same sinful patterns and thoughts and attitudes and failures and times of discouragement than I did perhaps back when I was at the Green Acres Baptist Church. Well, maybe the answer is in John 15. I think it has to do with this thing called abiding. Remaining. You see, abiding is more than just believing. It's more than just saying I love him. It's more than just knowing what he said. Abiding is connecting myself to something that comes from the Father through the vine. That is Jesus. And in that substance flows through the true vine is a supernatural experience of peace, of love, of a wondrous supernatural power and effectiveness. If the vine is abstract, then what's the concrete? If the vine is the image, what is the actual essence of abiding? Now... (laughs) After all this time, I don't know if this is right, but I got an idea. (laughs) I think it's word. It's word. It's revelation. It's word. That's become flesh. It's words of life. It's written, spoken, living, flowing, dynamic word. And it's what connects me to Him, the vine, to receive from the Father. And it brings forth fruit. Now let's look how Jesus develops this. First, I want to go back to John chapter 14. As he begins to, Jesus begins to uh, 
introduce the significance of word and being connected to the Father. John chapter 14, starting in verse 8. This is Philip, um, one of the followers of Jesus. And he ventures a question. He says, um, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. He understood that there was another element to this relationship that was growing in his relationship to Jesus. It had to do with the Father. And so he said, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? See the connection point? Jesus says, do you not understand that you've seen the Father if you've seen me and that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Now listen to this. The words I say to you are not just mine. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. He's doing His work. Now, how did God the Father do His work through Jesus? Ever wondered that? Through Word. God the Father did His work through Jesus through the words Jesus spoke. Through Word. Through Revelation. Now turn back to John chapter 8, a little further back. Um, This is in sharp contrast to what we just saw. John chapter 8. Again, the question has to do with the Father. We saw this uh, last Sunday as Adam spoke on the light of the world. uh, Starting in verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said... I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. By the way, that is the essence of religion. Judging on human standards. That's religion. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. Listen, I stand with the Father who sent me. There's the connection. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Now, here it is. Then they asked him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words. While teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. You see, to the Jews who believed, um, they were the ones who received the word. They received the truth. These, of course, 
heard the same words, heard the same gift from God through Jesus, and they did not believe. But they, they who did believe the word, Jesus said, were truly my disciples. Jesus goes on to say later in this chapter that when you receive the truth, the truth will set you free. That's God's work through His words transforming lives. Transforms you. He changes you. He gives you power. He delivers you from these patterns of selfishness and conceit and self-righteousness and self-absorption and fear and supernatural patterns of faith. Um, a veneer of faithfulness. But Jesus says the truth, my words abiding in you will set you free, make you powerful. That's God the Father doing His work through Jesus' words. Now back to John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now you are already clean because of the what? The word I have spoken to you. Folks, you are all here, most of you, in relationship with God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. You are all clean. You have been made right with Almighty God by the word of truth. God has done His work. A work of setting you apart, of delivering you from darkness into light. And He did it through word. He did it through truth, through gospel. And He transformed you. And you are clean. But there's another level of experience that Jesus is after here. He says, if, this is not unconditional, it is conditional. He says, if, if my words remain in you, you will bear fruit. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. If my words abide in you, then you're really living. You're really going to show it by the fruit of your life. And here's some of the fruit. We'll see it in a moment. Power. Answered prayer. People coming to know the Lord through your life. Coming to know God because of you. Because of your relationship to Jesus Christ. It is a supernatural love that flows through you to the most unlovable among us. Here's a question for you, for me, for all of us in this place today. Are people drawn to God? Are people... Um, one to this place or to come into an experience of worship like this because of you, because of your life? Or are they hindered because of you, because of me, because of the way we live or our words? Are you seeing God answer your prayers in amazing ways? then you must be abiding. His words 
must be taking root in your life. You're staying connected to him through his words. You're remaining. His words are remaining in you. (laughs) Some of you perhaps want to follow Jesus like this, but his words have not taken root. You're clean. You're good. If he comes today, you're good. But you're not experiencing the, the depth and level of his power, the fruit of your life. You're still under the control of another or maybe other things. Your affections are still set on other things. And perhaps we're not abiding. Some of us still can't control our minds, our thoughts, our tongues, the things we say, the things we think. We have no power. Or maybe we still sit content and um, agitated or disappointed rather than experiencing the joy and freedom of, of knowing God. Perhaps we're not abiding. Now Jesus said, I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. If my words abide in you, then you're really experiencing what I have for you. Um, Have you ever met someone who you know is connected in this way? Their life is the word. It's truth. You live his word. You meditate on his word. You lose yourself in praying in his word, obeying what God says to you in his word as you seek him there, investing time in the word, sitting under its fountain and reading and listening truth and word. And then he shows you something to obey, even if it means it will cost you favor. Favor with your family, favor with your employer, favor with your friends, yet you obey. His words take root, they transform, they set you free, and you experience his peace and power and answered prayer. There's something more, you see. Jesus says the Father, the gardener, still wants to do his work through Jesus, through his words in you. He still does his work. Now, um, there's a lot of ways that we can measure fruit, that is to say spiritual fruit, in a Christian's life. We won't get into too much of that today because it could be a bit taxing, but let's think about my fruit, your fruit. What is it that comes from your life out of the experience of your relationship to Jesus. What comes as a direct result of you being in in an intimate, abiding relationship with Almighty God through your faith in Jesus Christ? Is there an effectiveness in your ministry of prayer? (laughs) <laughs> we hold up 
much to her chagrin, I'm sure Jenny Wilson is kind of this model for <laughs> just godliness and faithfulness. And we should. It's a good thing. But you need to know this is no accident. I don't know how many times the phone has rang early in the morning in this office and as I've picked up, it's been Jenny on the other line. Pastor, I was in the Word this morning praying and reading some obscure passage in the Chronicles and God spoke to me. Now, we'd all love to have our prayers seemingly answered like Jenny's prayers are answered, don't we? But I wonder about the remaining part. Abiding in the Word. What do you do with the choicest hours of your day? What are you doing at 6 a.m. in the morning? Or 11.30 p.m. at night? To what vine are you connecting your soul and your mind? Jesus says, if, if you have my truth, my truth will set you free. If my words remain in you, then you can ask anything. And I'm going to do it. Anything. How's your prayer life? What's God doing through you in your ministry of prayer? You see. You abide. Now, This abiding is so much more than memorizing Scripture, although that is the beginning point. We've got to first know it and have it in our minds uh, in order for it to begin to take root. It's a virtuous discipline. Um, but there's some things I want to point out. First of all, um, the devil memorized Scripture. Did you know that? He knew it. In fact, in John chapter 3, he quoted numerous passages when he launched this kind of diabolical assault on, on Jesus in the wilderness of temptation. You, you, you can't simply spar with the devil when he tempts you by, by quoting Scripture. Because he can give it right back to you. That, that, that truth has to actually abide in you. It has to take root and have its way in your life before it can be powerful against such strongholds and temptations, you see. But you see, when the Word of God takes root in our lives, that's when it brings about power, holiness, and faith. Uh, let's go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. This is the great prayer that Jesus prayed on behalf of His disciples and ultimately for all who would follow after Him. Jesus said in John chapter um, 17, verse 13, I am coming to you now, he's talking to his father, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word. Got it? It's word. 
and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now here's the request. Sanctify them by the truth. And the word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. The word, the word of God, as it takes root and abides in our lives, brings about holiness, sanctification, righteousness, and faith. I wonder if I am more godly, more holy in my responses to people and to circumstances and to temptation at 46 years old, a pastor of the First Baptist Church of North Terre Haute than I was when I was third grade at Green Acres Baptist Church. What makes the difference? The Word of God. Not just that I'm clean. <laughs> Some sweet lady knelt at the altar with me and prayed and led me down a a path, and I, I prayed a, a sinner's prayer, and I believe, and I'm convinced, I'm convinced that God's grace, at that moment, He set me free. He made me clean. <laughs> but it's the Word of God, the words of Jesus that change me, make me holy, that make me gentle, that make me believe in, in the face of unbelief, that make me strong when I'm really weak, that make me be able to say yes to God when He calls and He calls me away or calls me to do something that is not going to be easy or not pleasing to those closest to me. It's His Word that deepens that in me. When Jesus says, why are you so anxious about your life? Anybody anxious about their life today? What you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, how you're going to pay your bills? Anybody? Look at the birds. They don't look anxious. They don't, they don't look worried, yet they've got plenty to eat. Look at the lilies of the field. They're, they're not spinning wool, <laughs> but look how beautifully they're clothed. Okay, now we know this. We, we've heard this for, for decades have you not? Then how do we go from not being anxious 
to being like the birds. Word abides. It takes root. I'm connected. It transforms me. Second, Jesus' words are powerful over the devil. Our adversary is supernatural. Not, not all powerful, but supernatural. And he hates you. He hates me. He hates this ministry. Uh, the Apostle John says in John, uh, 1 John 5, the whole world lies in his power. Uh, he hates our faith. He hates our joy. He hates our holiness. He hates our marriages. <laughs> he does. He hates, he hates your children. He hates our church. He hates the fact that people are growing here and coming to know the Savior. He hates that teenagers um, from all uh, stripe and flavor uh, that in most other places in this town are not accepted are being loved and accepted here. He hates that. He really does. He would love, he would love to undo that. He'd love it. He'd love to get inside someone and go, oh, man, they're sure making a mess around here. Just kind of make his way in because he hates it. He hates it. He hates the power of the gospel. He'll do anything to thwart its proclamation. He'll do anything to distract you and your family's minds from hearing it and hearing the word of God proclaimed. He'll do anything. He'll plant a seed of doubt in your mind. He'll plant a seed of discouragement in your heart. Uh, he'll plant even a, a false uh, thought about someone else in the ministry just to get you distracted so that when you come under the hearing of the word, you're not hearing the word. You're hearing his voice, you see, because he hates it. But you need to know that the word of God is powerful. Jesus' words are more powerful than the devil. More powerful than his words. John wrote also in chapter 2 of his epistle, first epistle, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. Listen to this. And you have overcome the evil one. <laughs> you are clean, yes, but you may not have yet overcome his power. But when the word abides, takes root, we can overcome the evil one. You see the connection between abiding and power. It's undeniable. Undeniable. It's not just memorized Scripture, but it's obeyed Scripture. It's embraced truth that brings such fruit and power into our lives. God doing powerful things through you, by the way, is not a guarantee because you're a Christian. Or if you lead a, <coughs> a small group or send your kids to, to camp or if you serve humbly behind the scenes, God answering your prayers powerfully and using you is not a guarantee simply because you live a godly life free of vile and coarse things. Those are all good things, but they're actually um, not the standard. Jesus said all of that is possible, but it's a big if. It's a big if. Back to John 15. 
verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain, take root in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus did not say, if you remain a Christian, if you go to church every Sunday, if you use your gifts and talents to serve Him, if you do it all behind the scenes and never receive the praise. It's not what He said. This is conditional upon remaining. The level of trust and obedience to the Word of God that brings about power and effectiveness, fruit, showing that we are truly His disciples. Now, I really kind of thought maybe I was on to something here until I read the rest of this section. Look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Listen. If you do what I command, If you do what I say, you are my friends. You go to another level with me. <laughs> if my word um, takes root in your life and transforms you, if you stay there in that place, you are my friends. I no longer call you servants. A servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. <laughs> you can be a good Christian. I can be a good Christian and a really good servant. I can quote scripture. I can lead a ministry or teach a Bible lesson and serve and serve and serve and serve and never make it to friend. Because every time I'm confronted with truth from Jesus, I have a decision. I'm either going to go there and obey Or I'm going to just keep right on serving. 
as if he never said a word to me about that. And the fruit of my life will be evidence of that decision. When we're truly abiding, we're being transformed. We become friends with Jesus and with God. We really love people. We understand the Father's business. Do you get that? Do you remember the prodigal son? What was the big problem of the older brother? He didn't understand the father. Oh, he was in. He was in the family. He was good to go. He was an heir. <laughs> he, he had every right to everything the father was going to give. Yep, he did. But he didn't understand the father's business. So he lived at a different level. Is the word of God that live in my life, in your life? Is it costing you to follow Jesus in obedience to his word? Is it bringing you a level of joy in your experience that you've never had before because you're actually obeying what God says in his word? How much does the word of God play in my life and in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships with your children? Is it abiding in you and in your mind? Is it affecting the way you respond to circumstances or meeting temptation? Does it transform you to let go of hurts and resentments and become a joyful, uh, wondrous, winsome representative of God? <laughs> Jesus says, I'm the vine. But he's not here. We have his words. We have truth. How many of you, you don't necessarily have to lift your hand, just think of this. How many of you spent more time with God this week in His Word than you did watching television? Just investing in the Word of God. How many of you are in a process of making a significant paradigm change in the way you do life and relationship because you were confronted face to face with the truth of the Word of God this week? Jesus said something to you in his word and it struck your life. It hit the core of your life and you were met with the decision, am I going to obey?
how many of us are willing to move from the very good and noble prospect of being a servant of God to becoming a friend who knows Him like a book. Because you're in the Word, because you're connected to the truths of of the Word of God and you're listening to the voice of Jesus in your life, you just know, you just know that's got to be God. I know that's what He wants us to do. I know it's not, it doesn't make any sense, it's not logical, it's going to make people upset and angry, but this is what we need to do. And so you're going to do it because you know the Father's business. You know His mind, you know His heart. You're connected to the vine. You've got His Word. You're in the truth of the Scriptures. I love this passage. This is an old guy, old Jewish guy. And he told a story about something that happened to him. And um, he was kind of a pastor, sort of. He said, um, the hand of the Lord was upon me one day. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set, the, set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. <laughs> and I saw a great many bones. I love that. There was a lot of bones. Bones everywhere. Bones here, bones, thigh bones, knee bones, hip bones, skull bones, neck bones, back bones, toe bones, ankle bones, elbow bones, femur bones, you know, that bone, bones everywhere. I mean, there were a lot of bones. But he was in the spirit. The Lord led him to this place. So, I said, or uh, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. (laughs) I love that answer. (laughs) Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones. You start preaching. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Truth. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. 
Then you will know that I am the Lord. Remember, Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of what? Life. It's life. Here's your assignment, Ezekiel. Preach to the bones. Give them word. Give them truth. Tell them what I say. So, I did. I I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. A rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. There was a rattling. It came together. I don't know what bones sound like when they rattle. But something probably not like that. But something. Um, and, And they came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them. And skin covered them. And there was and there was no breath in them. Then he said to me prophesy to the breath. Prophesy son of man. And say to say to it this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds O breath. And breathe into these slain that they may live. So I did. I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them. And they came to life. And they stood on their feet. A vast army. A vast army army power this is what the sovereign lord says oh my people i am going to open your graves and bring you up from them i will bring you back to the land of israel then you my people will know that i am the lord when i open your graves and bring you up from them i will put my spirit in you and you will live you will live This is what the Sovereign Lord says, I have declared it, and I have done it. (laughs) Wow. I don't know about your Christian life, but I know about mine. And there can be a lot of bones, just dry, disconnected, lifeless experience. How about your marriage? You know what the Sovereign Lord says? If your marriage is broken, if it's dry, if it's lifeless... Oh, it's, it, you're there, you're married, you know. There, there's, a, there's a certificate, there, there's, there's longevity, there's history, but, but it's lifeless. The sovereign Lord says, preach to that marriage. Give it word, give it truth. Bring it to the word of God. Let the word, let the words of Jesus pour over that marriage, see, and it'll, it'll bring life. There'll be power. Your ministry Be fruit. The word. You know what? Here's what we need to do. You need to open this book. 
You don't have to understand it. You don't even really have to believe it all. But you've got to open it. And you've got to bring your whatever, your doubt, your hurt, your bitterness, your anxiety, your worry, your impossible scenario, your marriage, your wayward teen, whatever it is, you need to bring that under the authority and ministry of the Word of God <laughs> and let Him bring life. It doesn't just happen. You are clean. No worries. He's got you in the fold of his hand. But he wants so much more for you. He wants to abide in you. He wants you to be a different person a month, four months, a year from now than you are today because he's transformed you in your word. I want you to set your alarm <laughs> and turn it up loud so you'll hear it. Tell everybody in your house, this is where I'm going to be at whatever time in the morning. I'm going to be in God's word. That's where I'm going to be. I'm going to carve it out. And late at night, I don't care what it takes, if you've got to cancel your Netflix or your cable television or whatever else you've got going on there that's streaming into your home, just put a block on it or a kink in it and say, listen, just for a season, up until Easter, we're going to take the time we normally carve out for all of that stuff and we're going to devote ourselves and our family and our marriage to the Word of God. We're going we're to read it together. We're going to pray it over our children. We're going to make some decisions about how we spend our time this season and this summer. Not based on how we did it in the past. Not based on all these other lobbying opportunities. We're going to do it based on what Jesus said. What God says to us when we come to Him and we bring that to Him in His Word. Do you not think that He will not speak to you when you open His Word? He will. He'll show you. Lord, how do you want me to spend my summer? He'll tell you. If you ask him. If you don't ask him, he'll still keep you safe on the highways and when you're off doing your thing. and He'll do some of that providential thing, but you're never going to experience what perhaps he really wanted to show you if you don't ask. Can we do that? <laughs> There's too much at stake. You're clean. Stop worrying about that. <laughs> Stop worrying about your salvation. <laughs> He's got it. He's got it. You're clean. You're servants. And you're all, we're all serving well. <laughs> 
He wants you to really know what's going on in his heart. He wants you to be a friend. He wants you to move with him. He wants you to flow with him. That takes abiding. That's another level. That takes truth, obedience, word, word. Let's pray. Oh God, make us so desiring of this. Give us a hunger and a thirst for truth, for your word, Lord. Help us not to be satisfied until our desires are met in you. For the praise and glory of your name, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing, Open the Eyes of My Heart. It's a great prayer. Um, this is an opportunity for us to respond. And we're going to stand as we sing this, this great chorus. Open the eyes of my heart. See you.
you so much. Great prayer, great song. Take that with you uh, this week into this first week of April and uh, see what God does just in answer to that prayer. Uh, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. Great. Thank you, praise team, for that. By the way, on my heart is a, um, just a time with some of our, our dads and men uh, in the congregation. Uh, several years ago when I was at, uh, in Chicago at the Moody Bible Institute, I met every morning in my office to pray uh, with a young man who also had a son. We both had sons. They were kind of the same age. And every morning we would meet early in the morning and we would pray together for our sons. But we prayed the word of God over our sons. It was unbelievable what God began to do in the lives of our kids. So I've got this on my heart to meet and get together with uh, as many dads, granddads, uncles, men in our congregation as possible and lead us together through this study of praying for sons, praying the word of God Praying your sons through the passages of life, okay? You might have a three-year-old. You might have an infant. You might have a 17-year-old. You might have a 48-year-old son. He still needs the word of God, the truth of God, prayed over him in his life to help them make this passage of life in a godly way. If you're interested in that, I want you to just tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, Mark, I'm up for that. And we're also going to be praying for daughters because you might say, well, all I've got is girls. That's okay, too, because these things will apply, all right? So um, that'll be coming, and, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of be letting you know that. But I've got a heart for that because I really believe that God will show his power through his word. Hey, we've got another guest here, Pastor David Tyre, senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Linton, Indiana, is here. And I think he's just here to hang out, which is good. On your church, yeah. <laughs> he said it's his April Fool's joke on his church. So, David, would you come? Really great to have you and your wife. Would you lead us in our benediction this morning? We're glad to have you. Always glad to have another servant of the Lord. Pastor David, thank you. Your pastor hit me right between the eyes with the word of God this morning, and I'm so grateful for that. Let's pray together. Father, it is good to be with brothers and sisters and to come under the authority of your word. And thank you for... This your man who has spoken your word to these dry bones and said live. Help us, Lord Jesus, to go out and be your men and your women this day. We pray in Christ's name. And all the people said. Spirit deep inside you.